0: It's time to thrive. Welcome to the Thrivology podcast with Dr. Lee Bacham. Join us as we explore ways that you can thrive in your life, regardless of what life throws at you. It's your life. Time to live it. Over the last few weeks we've been talking about habits and we continue that process today. If you remember, just for a quick recap, we talked about how we actually become our habits, and I talked about that quote where our habits become us, right, and where it begins with our actions and ends up being our character. It's because our habits are how we carry out our day. So if we have healthy habits, we become healthy. If we have wealthy habits, we become wealthy. If we become success, have success habits, we become successful, but we also have unhealthy habits. And if we follow those unhealthy habits, it can lead us to being unhealthy. So we talked about how we become our habits and the importance of those habits. And I'll tell you that the reason I jumped into this series is because for a long time, I just kind of downplayed the importance of habits in my life until one day I stopped and realized how much of my life was really just running on those habits. And so if you remember that podcast, it was about how we do become those habits and how I even changed some of those habits in my own life because I didn't like where I was headed. After that, we talked about how you make those habits stick. Remember we talked about how you move it into uh, your life by, by finding things that kind of start the process for you. So if you decided that you wanted to, to make sure you took some deep breaths every day, you might have as the, the reaction, the, the point that reminds re, remind you of that, maybe a ringing phone. So whenever your cell phone rings, you decide to let it ring a couple more times while you take a couple of big breaths, because then you have this, uh, this action out there that triggers it for you. So you have some trigger, and then you follow through with your response to that figure, that, that, uh, re- that trigger, you follow on your habit, and then after that, you make sure you reward yourself. And so we, we talked about how we build those habits into our life, and the reality of that is it's always easier to add a habit into something you're already doing. For me, I talked about this uh, the week after that because then we talked about those linchpin habits about how I wanted to make sure that one habit was leading to another. We also talked about the, the fact that our goals are better created when we create the habits that get us towards those goals. So you remember kind of that whole piece. And so to give you an example, one of my goals was to make sure that I was getting a lot of good breathing. I'd been reading about these breath techniques, about how you, you get used to uh, cold weather and other pieces. And so I decided I wanted to integrate that in. I already took walks and long ago, I've been finding, finding myself complaining about walking in the cold and bundling up, and I realized I didn't want to do that. I wanted to acclimate. And so I began this process. And what I realized is, a part of it was just making sure I was getting in some deep breaths. Since I already walked every single day, it was easy for me to lynchpin in the next piece, which was to practice that breathing while I was walking. And so as part of that, whenever I start walking, that's the trigger. It's time for me to go through that breathing exercise. I also realized that I had kind of let my eyes get a little weak, and so I wanted to strengthen them. So I was using some some exercises to strengthen my eyes so that I could uh, better see and, and better focus, and I added that in. And I also realized that one of the things I needed to take care of, as much as I use my voice, I needed to take care of my voice. Not only that, but my daughter alerted me to the fact that I was doing some snoring. So I did some research and realized that there's not a lot more I could do. I'm about as trim as I can be. And so I decided that I would do some throat exercises. Turns out those same throat exercises are the ones that are good for you just in terms of vocal skills. And so I added that in on the walk. So notice that now I had one habit already in place. That was the walk. And Then I decided to add in the other habits of breathing, followed by throat exercises, followed by a little bit of of focusing my eyes intentionally, each of my eyes to make sure that I was getting some of that in, all because I had a habit in place of walking. That was part of my goal to make sure I walked every day, but I also wanted to get healthy in other ways, so I linchpinned it together and now I have a, a kind of a grouping of habits that all fit from that one, which leads us to Today. And today is an interesting one because now we're talking about our thought habits. Up until now, we've been kind of talking about our action habits, the things we do you know, the, or don't do, one or the other, the habits we do or don't do about how we go through our day. But you might notice that you do some habitual thinking. You may find yourself stuck in the same cycle of thinking because our thoughts are like anything else. They can become habits. Now, they can become habits that work in our direction, but they are always habits. Remember that habits are created when there is a neuronal pathway. And whenever there's a neuronal pathway, the more often we exercise that pathway, the more solid it becomes. The more like that, that I talked about that ditch at the beach, you know, in the road at the beach, the erosion ate away deeper and deeper into that little ditch, which had at one point had just been a little crack, a little seam down the road. But as the torrential rains came, it washed it down and became more and more of a pattern until it was deeply entrenched. You have some thought patterns that are deeply entrenched in your thought process. In fact, it's how we understand the world. I've talked about this at other places, about your paradigm that you hold, your mindset that you you walk with, of how you filter things out. And so one of our thought habits is often how we look at things, our thought habits of how we understand the world around us. So I just ask you to think back on a time when maybe you really had this one one way of seeing things, one way of thinking through a process, and then something else came along and it completely flipped it. Something maybe made it more Humane, maybe it, it, it humanized it for you, and suddenly you realize that maybe there's more to that than you had said. Sometimes, I find that people uh, when they aren 't exposed to some some hardship, somebody else is suffering, kind of become automatically hardened to it. You know they think, well, that should be easy, right. And for me, I remember I've never struggled with drinking. I don't drink alcohol, never struggle with it. And I remember the first time I realized, you know, it's very simple to stop drinking, right? You stop drinking. It's not very easy because it's become ingrained. And as I talked with somebody who struggled with that on a daily basis, I realized just how deeply— And part of what clicked it into reality was when I decided to try to give up sugar for a while and I realized just how deeply I was addicted to sugar. And my mind would play tricks as a way of getting me back to that. I would be in the middle of a therapy or a coaching session and I'm thinking about cookies or, or pie and I don't even like pie. And yet it would come to my mind because it was my brain trying to get me back to that. So we all have these thought processes that are, are close to addictive processes, and how we process things. And so today, I just want us to kind of think about the fact that our thoughts are also habitual, and if we want to change them, we have to be intentional about changing them. Our our roots of all compulsions, notice, are are rooted in a thought process. You know, my my brain is trying to get me to get that dose of sugar, so. It throws up those images of cookies and pies and cakes and ice cream and all those other things that I didn't want to be thinking about that moment. And it took a while for me to, to overcome it. And, and so what it was is my body getting my mind to go back to a place where it would be of comfort to the body. And so you notice that our thoughts sometimes betray us. Sometimes our thoughts get us into bad places because of that. And our thoughts can be very automatic processes. If you've ever wondered why it is that we live in a country that is so split over politics and and other big issues, it's because we have these automatic thought processes. And we like to think that we're seeing it the right way. And one of the clues that you're stuck in a thought habit is when you have convinced yourself that the way you see it is the right way. By the way, most of us think that we're seeing it the right way, otherwise we would find another way of seeing it. So we all fall into this thought habit, and one of the difficulties is suspending that assuredness and thinking maybe, maybe there are other answers out there, maybe there are other possibilities that make as much sense as the ideas and possibilities that we have. I'm pretty sure that if you begin to ask people, a lot of people want the same end result, But how they think about getting there kind of betrays the habits of their thought process. There's a great uh, researcher, Carol Dweck. Carol Dweck talks about the fact that there are two primary mindsets that go into our learning process. There is the fixed mindset and there's the growth mindset. And I want us to think about the fact that both of those really are thought habits a fixed mindset is the belief that you either have it or you don't. You know, if you remember as a child, maybe somebody said, oh, you're such a gifted athlete or, oh, you're so gifted in math or, oh, you're so gifted in science or reading or writing or whatever it was. And, and that idea of somebody having a built-in giftedness is a fixed mindset. Now, yes, there are people who have better aptitudes, But notice what happens when you tell a child, wow, you have a gift in that. You're so good at that. You're naturally good at that. That child then has two possibilities, either not proving you wrong or always trying to prove you right. And one way of not proving you wrong is just to give up and walk away. When they feel like they have to keep proving you right, they work harder and harder and harder and get stuck in the fact that when something doesn't work. It's challenging the thought habits of themselves and others around them. And the reality is that improvement comes from practice. So the way that Dweck and other researchers have tested this is to watch kids when they approach a problem. They particularly like to study math because in math, a concept goes from being misunderstood to completely understood and mastered Unlike other things, because, you know, reading is a, you kind of progressively get better at reading and facts, you get progressively better at understanding facts. But math in many ways are a matter of getting the neuronal pathways lined up so that the concept finally makes sense and you can operationalize it. So they like to study the kids of what happens when they approach a math problem. Do they take it on as a challenge, as a puzzle to be mastered, Or do they decide they can't get beyond it? The children who have a fixed mindset might give up on it and just say, oh, I can't figure it out. But what Dweck and other researchers found is those who have a growth mindset would say, ooh, I love a good puzzle, and they would rub their hands together and jump in or do something close to that. And it's the same with adults. You know, We can have a growth mindset, which are growth mindset habits, when we decide that we can master things, that we can decide we can take things on and learn and get better at them, years ago, I had a couple in my office, and they were having difficulties in their marriage, and I suggested some ways that they could pick up some skills and I remember the man looking at me and says, "You know, I can't learn this stuff I mean, I'm just not good at relationships. I never have been, I'm not going to be there's nothing I can do about it. It's just not me." And I said, "Uh, what do you mean by that? And he said, well, I just don't think that you, I think you either understand relationships or you don't. I, I don't think that it's something you can get better at. And I said, well, that's interesting because you were telling me last week about how you went to that sales conference. Can you tell me why you went to the sales conference? He said, oh yeah, I wanted to master some extra skills in how to do a better job selling. I said, so you acknowledge that there are some skills to selling that you could master. He said, yes. And I said, what if you were to apply that to relationships? And the lights went on for him because what he realized is he had a fixed mindset in terms of relationships and a growth mindset in terms of learning those sales skills, right? And in reality, both are learnable. Both are teachable. Both are skills that can be added on unless you have a habit of turning off the possibility. So one of the big thought habits I want you to think about is the places where you say, oh, I can't do that. I can't get beyond that. I can't learn that. I'm not going to be good at it. I'm not natural at that. It's just not something I do well. And instead, see if you can ask the question, is that something I can improve upon? Is that something I want to master? Now, let me be very clear that there are plenty of reasons to not try to master everything in the world, mostly the fact that there is too much to master. So we're not here to make sure that everybody is trying to master everything as much as to accept that you can always be better at something. You can always be learning and growing. And the growth mindset is really a thought habit than when you decide that you are capable of learning, of moving beyond it, that's when you begin to change your thought habits. Often think about that differentiation between two words, can and can't. Uh, the can and can't is, uh, you know, there's a, that famous quote, um, and, and the quote is, whether you can, whether you think you can, or whether you think you can't, you're probably right. And that's attributed to Henry Ford. And the idea is that the belief stops you. You either have a belief that you can do something and you work towards it, or you have the belief that you can't do it and you you fail, you stop, you don't move towards it. So I want to add another piece of this, of how often I notice that can't is really won't. That can't is really a substitute for the word won't. So I've heard people say, you know, I just can't work on this relationship, or I just can't make that change. I just, I just can't find a new way to do this. I can't find a new job. I, I, I can't change who I am. And what they're really saying is, I won't. I won't work on the relationship. I won't change this about myself. I won't try to move forward. I won't work on that. And it feels better when we say I can't because then it puts us off the hook. I won't is claiming responsibility. And my suggestion is whenever you feel yourself saying I can't, to ask the question, am I really saying I won't? And if I'm saying I won't, at least claim responsibility for having done that. At least take the next level and say, I'm assuming that responsibility, I won't. So in your languaging, to either say, I can do that, or to say, I won't do that. And if you won't do that, you've acknowledged that it's a choice you're making for the most part. There are some things you cannot do. You can't fly without some help. You you can't breathe underwater without some help. There are some things that are just not possible. So we set those aside for a minute and we talk about the vast majority of daily things where it really is a want. And I bring that up because that's one of the big thought habits that I notice about people. So another thought habit I want to bring up is the fact that we have lost this idea. Years ago, there was the idea of mental hygiene. Mental hygiene was about what we take into our mind and hold, What we keep clear of our mind, what we don't expose ourselves to, how we make sure that our hygiene of our thinking process, how that is. This isn't all about morality. It's about noticing what happens when we surround ourselves by better thoughts or worse thoughts. I know several people who are addicted to the news They're always surrounding themselves by the news. You know, they have CNN all the time. There's nothing wrong with CNN every now and then in small doses, but it is the chronically negative news, right? And that's true with any of the news programs. They're there to have eyeballs on the screen, and the way they do that is to make sure that you have some fear factor attached to it. Lots of people become addicted to that. And because of that, they're bringing images into their mind all of the time about all the bad things that are happening around them over which they have no control to change or alter. They feel like they're keeping up on the news and keeping abreast of of current events, but really all they're doing is surrounding themselves by a continued flood of bad images, of of difficult images. Then there are people who do the same thing with the the books they read and the movies they see. They're bringing in images that are constantly pulling them downward. That's an idea of mental hygiene. How do you choose to use your mind as something that's growing and developing, or something that's constantly exposed to fearful images and thoughts, and to realize that many times we forget the fact that those thoughts are just that, that they're simply thoughts. And so if you want to start with a basic thought habit, that thought habit is to remind yourself that a thought is only a thought. It's all it is. Now, it's a, that's a big thing, And yet it's not a big thing. It's a big thing in the sense that our thinking is what creates all that's around us. The same thought processes that created skyscrapers are the same thought processes that brought skyscrapers down in attacks. It's all in the thought processes, all in the thinking. And what we fail to realize in our culture is that the thought in our head is no more than a thought until we do something with it. And we can choose to hang on to the thought or we can choose to release the thought. And I would challenge that one of the big thought habits is to recognize that we can release the thought. That we don't have to play with the thought, give it energy, bring it into a huge storm that brings us anxiety and other, other pieces. We can choose to recognize the thought for what it is. It's just a thought. Remember your thought habits. Practice how you can make sure that you're, you're keeping good things coming into your thoughts. Remember to take on the challenges, to remember the distinction between can and really won't, and decide how you want to build your life by watching your thought habits. <music>